0: Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Canada.
1: And I'm Margo Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is a food lifestyle show on the podcast network, it's neworleans.com. Tonight we're at the Nola Brewing Tap Room in the Irish Channel.
0: The Tap Room is Nola Brewing's on site watering hole. They serve Nola Brewing's a regular lineup of craft beers as well as eight specialty brews you can't get anywhere else.
1: And the Tap Room is open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m.
0: Friends, I'm so glad you could join us. Each week on Midnight Menu Plus One, Margot and I invite a member of New Orleans restaurant and food community to have a beer with us. And we invite them to bring along their own guest a plus One. We never know who the Plus One is going to be. It can be a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a restaurant a colleague. It could be really anyone.
1: Our special guest on Midnight Menu Plus One tonight is Chris Roos of Holton Meats.
0: I cannot wait to talk to him. But before we do that, wanted to know uh, if you had any culinary adventures, anything worth reporting.
1: Well, I um, ate at the Bure
0: oh, how for was the it? first
1: time. It was delicious. Yeah. I, the, uh, the wings. Nice. I had the uh, like lemongrass uh, and forget what else. But it was delicious. The glaze awesome. was unbelievable. Have you cool. been there?
0: Have not been there yet, but I've been dying to. That's on my very short list. It's like top three of places I want to go that I haven't been yet. Well, I'll go yeah. back
1: with you because they have cool. these amazing daiquiris, but it was early in the day and uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't have one that day, so I'm going to uh, go back uh, and try them. Amazing daiquiris
0: like are good because there's lots of crappy daiquiris in this town.
1: Yeah. They sounded uh, delightful and All right. fresh.
0: Cool. I like the look of it. They did a nice job of the place. Mm-hmm. We love the people there too. And in fact, that reminds me... Um, Loosely affiliated with them, or maybe strongly affiliated with them, is uh, Adrian Resch. Remember her? She was our first guest ever on the show three years ago. This
1: week, ah. this is
0: our three-year anniversary. Exciting! Yeah. I know, I know. It's so uh, it's kind of neat. So it all kind of comes all around again. Um, for me, I, the only thing worth noting is I'm becoming addicted to Emeralds Delmonico's Monaco's uh, Happy Hour. It's <laughs> such a great deal. So Kathy and I go there as long as you go before seven. You don't have to get a reservation. We, every time we've been, we've been like three times now. We just walk in, and uh, it's fifty cent char grilled oysters that are every bit as good as any place in the city, and all pretty much most of the cocktail list, all kinds of specialty cocktails and everything, half price. So like five dollars, six dollars tops, and we're like four dollars. So we have several drinks each, and we eat all the oysters we can handle, and we had the small plates for five bucks, and we leave stuffed, you know, just feeling overwhelmed. For a total with like a 25% tip, we'll leave with tax and everything else. It'll be like less than $30 a person. Crazy. Wow. Excellent. Yeah, you just got to eat early. But it's terrific. So we've been, we're we trying to pace ourselves. We don't want to burn out. So we're going like we're going to make it like every three weeks, I think. We're going to slow down a little bit. But we're going to go like <laughs> every third Friday, I think. So anyway, Wonderful. that was my biggest one. Today I walked 14 miles to the, to, uh, the Maroney and back. and uh, But I ate at places I always talk about on the show. So we'll mention them.
1: All right. Well, uh let's get to our special guest tonight.
0: So Margo, our special guest today, Christopher Roos is here and he seems to be sober uh relatively and relatively Thank and you. so we're excited to have we're excited to have Christopher here from Holton Meat Company. Company. Yeah, Holton Meat Company. All
1: right. So welcome Chris. Um can you tell us a little bit about the history of um Holton Meat Company and uh where it is today
2: sure well Holton Meat Company actually started off back in the 60s by a man named Robert Riesfeld Robert was an uptown guy lived right off of uh, Henry Clay and started a company called Riesfeld and Sons going forward a little bit further into the 80s he partnered up with my stepfather a man by the name of Bo Holton who is a relative legend in this town for his tennis abilities he's in the huh. tennis hall of fame he's Wait, uh, like he, the national tennis hall of fame no but the southern <laughs> the southern <laughs> tennis hall of fame also played for lsu captain of the tennis team at lsu huh. he's a big tiger all right and so um anyway Bo and robert formed a business and it was then it was reesefeld holton so once robert reesefeld passed away Bo took it over continued on as holton brokerage in which case I became the owner after Bo passed away in 2002 and renamed it Holton Meat Company. Now the history is that there are a lot of sausage on Dewey Tasso guys down the river, up the river that need trimmings and need meat to do their processing. That's what Holton Meat Company, Reesfeld & Co. was. It was a company that provided them with the raw product that they could process and make into this delicious bits that we call somewhat of heaven every Monday in our beans, every Friday when you grill, on Sunday. So it, it, it was. It's, it's a real New Orleans company that has gone through the ringer, whether it's a hurricane, deaths, but it's withstood the,
0: the, the test of time. So you didn't make the sausages. You you, you provided the meat to the sausage makers to yes. make the sausage. Yes.
1: Let them do the art. Correct. Do their... Um and um, so is that is locally
0: it sourced, or was it uh, no
2: typically we don 't have that many um, slaughterhouses back in, uh, in in South Louisiana anymore. Um, the larger ones are more in Omaha and you can go all the way to chicago depends they 're traded all the trimmings are traded on the market daily like a stock is, so huh. you have to actually you know provide these guys with a price, bring the meat down or store it, and some people like it fresh, some people like it frozen it grinds differently for different people i 've got a guy who we used to deal with in Lusher, Louisiana, who would always like his stuff fresh. And had a guy in Bogalusa who can't grind anything but frozen. Huh. It's just a matter of, you know, how they like it.
1: Is that, um, do you think it tastes different or it's a texture thing?
2: I think it's part of their recipe. You know, these okay. things back up into these old, old New Orleans families, and these recipes are coveted. So depending on how they did all of the meat at the time, they've carried those, res- those recipes forward and like I said they, they covet them with lock and key and whether it's frozen, fresh all the spices that go into the various pieces of meat huh. they will sit there and, and you know it's just a matter of
0: the grinder so essentially you're receiving meat that's shipped in and you have a big warehouse or you have warehouses or you have like refrigerated warehouses the offices. refrigerated
2: warehouses were up in Iowa so basically oh. they would slaughter keep, keep all the meat there then as needed ship it down
0: Okay, and then you'd be giving it directly then to the it your customer. FOB, you didn't store it anymore. Down, no. So, okay. and,
2: and at one point in time, we were actually using New Orleans cold storage, um, and then it just became cheaper to use it up there.
0: Huh.
1: Now, um, do y'all still have you expanded to what y'all do too, or is it still just uh, not just? But do y'all sell any other products, or do um, I thought
2: we did? We did expand so. At first, when it was Holton Brokerage Company, which was what Robert Riesfeld's company became, I converted it into or renamed it to Holton Meat Company. So Holton Meat Company became not only just trimmings and things for grinding, which would be sausage, andouille, things like that, but also prime, primal cuts, people that would use um, whole butts, loins, things like that. Hmm. And then they would take them, receive them, sell them to restaurants. Huh. So it became more of a multifaceted business at that point in time. Once we transformed the name, huh. I didn't want it to be known as just a brokerage anymore. I wanted to be known as a meat company.
0: Wow. Well, now, are you grossed out by meat then? I you mean, know, <laughs> they always make the you know they always. Uh, I think about you know that Sinclair Lewis novel they made us all read in high school. You know, the Jungle, and uh, yep. you know they always talk about you don't want to see sausage being made. That's like a phrase, you no, know, you how you the don't. sausage is made. No, so.
2: but you know.
0: I mean, I feel like, you know, I have a friend who worked ice cream and he for a summer, and then he didn't eat ice cream for like a year, and I couldn't imagine that. It's got to be a lot worse with sausage.
2: If I could eat it every day, I still would. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, that, that'll end up killing you real quick. But, you know, processes have become much more regulated federally and state right. to where you have federally and regulated state warehouses. So you look at a, a processor now, and you go in, and it's almost like some of these places are surgical. I mean you go in and it's everything's clean everybody's got a net on everybody's got a jacket on in the old days not as much yes I will admit first day I went into a sausage plant after taking over the business went to go meet my customer down uh, near Fort uh, was it Fort Jackson but anyway I went down there way down there walked in this guy did um, cracklings so I go in and the smell alone knocked me <laughs> on the back of my... I, I, I just couldn't even deal with it. I just took a second. I said, I have to answer this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I, walk, I walked back in. I kind of collected myself. And I said, this is, this is business. This has been here for a long time. <laughs> They're not going to get screwed up by me.
0: You got to get used to it.
2: So I went, I went there. I went to several different places. And everybody does it differently. Guy in Mississippi does something called souse meat. Now, that's our version of head cheese. Uh. Okay. So this is not something you really want to see being made.
0: Right. Uh. But you may it, enjoy eating it, but you don't want to see it. it being made. It
2: tastes good, but you don't want to see that part of it. That one hit me again. That one hit me again. It's just the, the smell alone in some of these places would get you. But I'll tell you what, in a lot of them, it smells like cooked meat. Because uh. some people cook their sausages; They smoke it. So the majority of the smell is going to be a really nice, fragrant, woody smell.
0: So some smell like a garbage truck, and other ones, and other ones the, smell the like that, a barbecue restaurant. Correct. The people that
2: right. leave their product fresh. Right. So the fresh versus the smoked, yeah, there'd be a difference when you walked into the warehouse. <laughs>
1: now, I noticed on um, the website, y'all have recipes. They look great. Um, who wrote the recipes, and who is, um, there's something about uh, the great rooster, so who is the great rooster, and when did those recipes come about? Margo,
2: you know who the great rooster is, and is you're it? sitting in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> I am the rooster because of my oh last my name. Oh, my gosh. I am so oh. dense. Okay. Ooh. You've known Sorry. me for how long? Is that, is that Dutch? On. What is that? I know, that but is. I wasn't yeah, okay.
1: expecting. Um, I, I thought it was going to be some, like, old guy's nickname because he's, he's loud in the morning, or I don't know. Yeah, that's like a well, symbol of Cajuns and stuff, <laughs> too, isn't it?
0: The rooster, and yeah. I am. All right. Well, I mean, because you, you're also on a – I mean, you do cook, right? You're on the uh, Boar's Head barbecue cooking team. It's the Boar's Nest. Boar's what Nest.
1: What is the Boar's
2: Nest? So the Boar's uh. Nest is a team that we formed when Hogs for the Cause came to fruition, um, which started by Renee Luop and, and Becker Hall. So during the first Hogs for the Cause, there were probably three teams, up with the fly, one pig. Wow. And it's blossomed into this humongous festival. Anyway, we were one of the original Yeah, it's original like Woodstock team. now, it's yeah. It's huge. <laughs> so anyway, we formed a team called the Boar's Nest Barbecue. My buddy Chris Puckett really started the whole thing. And uh, and now we, we have really blossomed into a huge team. But our passion is cooking. And our drive was to, to promote pediatric brain cancer. And then... Furthermore, treatment
0: for pediatric rage cancer. You don't want to promote the cancer. No,
2: exactly. Thank you for pointing that out. But anyway, the, the fact is that we wanted to do something with one of our passions, which is cooking, getting together, drinking beer, and smoking meat. So basically, we got this whole group of friends together, and we ended up with this fantastic team. Now we get together more than once a year. We get to, uh, together several times a year and do several different outings.
1: Do you do it um, them to raise money? Is it uh, and and to the camaraderie and the cooking?
2: It is. It is. So we. So that's sort of
0: like a warm up for the big one, then too. So it keeps you. So you're not rusty during the there, year. You there are you always keep, practices.
2: Okay. The practices are great. In fact, we're going to practice. We have a practice coming up this week. We're going to be practicing. Um, we have a thirty-five foot smoker. We call it the Big Nasty,
0: the th- a 35 foot smoker. Yeah, It's
2: called the Big Nasty, and Gosh, so wider than my house. The way that this, the way <laughs> that
0: this, this Big
2: Nasty came to fruition was, um, my buddy Puckett saw a smoker on the side of a road, and the guy said, "If you want it, take it." And we took this thing.
0: It was 35 feet. No, no.
2: at this point in time, it was just a box smoker. We put it on a small trailer. Ah, and this has continued to grow around this original free smoker. That has become, I'm I'm certain, very
0: expensive. How do you move it? You got to get a tractor trailer, huh? No,
2: we have have a a couple of vehicles that are. are,
0: Can you break it up?
2: No, don't break it up. But you can either tow it with a truck, suburban. Just have to be very careful because it is long. So, So, and my neighbors, my neighbors know it when I'm smoking because typically I'll park it in front of my house. (laughs) So last year for Thanksgiving, I said, "Look, I'm I'm coming in with the smoker. Bring me a turkey." I'll smoke it for you for Thanksgiving. We we ended up being doing thirty-five turkeys.
1: You're, it's a brilliant way to get the neighbors yeah. to like you.
2: Neighbors love me. They <laughs> love me. You know, I'll tell you what. Everybody loves you when you're feeding them free barbecue.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now wait. Well, now wait a second. So it can, you can do thirty-five turkeys at once.
2: Oh, that's just on the uh, two shelves.
0: <laughs> you can do more than thirty-five turkeys. We can do on.
2: about six hundred eighty pounds.
0: Six hundred eighty pounds of meat
2: at
1: How one time. How long does it? T- I, I don't even, so, I don't understand
2: So we're going to be smoking pork butts on Thursday night for a Newman football game for Friday night So we'll we'll do 20 pork butts for about between 12 and 14 hours Each? Each, all at once Wow And we'll smoke them over pecan wood huh. at about 230 to 240 degrees Wow and um, after that How much about, wood do you go through? Uh, we go through quite a bit I mean we'll, we'll buy about a cord a year And we'll burn a, probably about 140 logs for this
0: 140 logs? Yeah I so mean it's like, a big fire. It's 10 logs. logs an hour
2: Yeah it's a lot <laughs> It's a lot But we have the thing hooked up We have the thing hooked up to where you can see The temperature internal log every the six in, minutes The internal They're good <laughs> We don't have it down to that We just see when it burns down <laughs> Throw a log on
1: so I want to know a little bit about um, how you got into cooking, when, what was your background, and what's your relationship with food?
2: So I'm in love with food first, <laughs> um, and I think why everybody else on this, on this show is. But, um, you know, growing up in New Orleans and going to school in New Orleans, you always kind of take it for granted. Like, coming home at night, having the kitchen smell nice. Being provided with a really warm meal, hopefully, you end up saying, no, that's good. So, you know, the red beans on Monday, you know, pork roast, you know, flank steak, whatever comes, you know, whatever was. But I didn't really ever think about it because my mother was doing it. Mom was giving three kids meals, square meals, so we could get upstairs, get out of her hair, (laughs) finish eating, go. But it was always good. It was always like the kitchen smelled great. That's not what really drove me to cooking so i remember the real drop dead time when i started to cook and it was it was literally through attrition i had an apartment on hillary street i'm at tulane university and i'm going i gotta eat and i'm not calling mom (laughs) so
0: ramen noodles were out of the question
2: ramen noodles were out of the question um, at the time, there was a Piggly Wiggly on St. Charles. That, was, nice. that is now Willie May Scotch House.
0: Oh. I had
2: that. I had a Winn-Dixie up the street. And I'd just go in there and buy. Um, other than that, I also was an avid hunter and fisherman. So everything I harvested, I would end up cooking, frying. I screwed up so much. I mean, there was more stuff that was inedible than was edible. But I learned, and I learned. And then my mom gave me... The Cotton Country Cookbook, which was probably on every southern, uptown, downtown, Metairie, everybody's shelf. And this had everything from soup to nuts. And I started following some of these recipes. And then I started adapting some of these recipes. And then I got a barbecue pit. And then I started smoking. You got a
0: barbecue pit in college? I got
2: a barbecue pit at my apartment in college. All right. And a charbroil, charcoal, regular old charcoal barbecue pit. And I can remember... Inviting people over
0: for smoked ducks. Smoked and I, ducks? And I
2: had these ducks on a rotisserie, smoking over a rotisserie.
0: You're 19 years old at this point.
2: But the fact of the Small matter tree. is, you have to understand how much fat is in a duck. About two and a half hours into it, the ducks were done. Uh-huh. And I don't mean done, edible. I mean done. They looked like a rock. Uh-huh. They had caught on fire. The <laughs> fat had lit up. It burned the handle off my barbecue pit. <laughs> it burned the spit, burned my hand, and we had to order pizza. <laughs> so right. like I said, learning to cook through attrition is the best way. When you really, really want it to taste good, you're going to screw it up. Uh-huh. But when you really, really try hard, you're going to
0: eat. All right. Well, your plus one is here, and I'd like you to introduce for us who this is, why you selected him.
2: Well, my buddy Tav Fitzpatrick. Has entered the building. Tav, welcome.
0: Hey, how are you doing? So Tav who's is who's Tav? So, why'd you why'd you bring him?
2: So Tav's one of my buddies. Actually, we met through cooking through mutual friends. All right, we're both on the uh, the Boar's Nest cooking team, and um, we're all we were the charter members on this team. Uh, Tav is one of those people who he does like food. He does like to cook, and he's one of the integral parts of the team. But you know, he's one of those guys that just emanates new orleans it's just you know a new orleans guy that will always roll with the punches so he's there food wise to help out with our cause he's there to build the tent he's there to have fun he's here with me to drink beer and talk about <laughs> whatever you guys are going to ask us <laughs> all right um so my plus one is uh, is my wingman
3: all right
1: welcome tom welcome tom. Thank thanks for joining us
3: thank you thank you for inviting me
1: so how did you, um, meet besides, I mean, were you friends before the, uh, Boar's Nest?
3: No, friend? that was, that was, if I remember correctly, that was probably the catalyst that, that brought us together when, um, like you mentioned, Chris Bucket was, uh, putting together a team and, um, I was really, I like to eat more than I know how to cook. So I kind of came on board as the, uh, I always call myself the resident geek. So when, the, um... Boar's Nest was taking off, and when Hogs for the Cause was taking off, we had a bigger and bigger tent, and I came on board and brought um, a big blow-up inflatable screen, because there was always NBA Final Four games on, Ooh. and so it was such a long event, and people were there, I mean, we camp out there, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic, you know, almost 72 hours for some guys, like me. And so you sleep there every night too? Yeah, I, I bring a, a tent. Some guys bring trailers, and they they camp out there for you, you know Thursday a night, Friday night, and even Saturday night. Really, I'm it's like
0: Burning Man or whatever out there. It's yeah, it's a, like yeah, <laughs> a, yeah, it is because <laughs> there,
3: there, there,
2: there's a cloud of smoke. Whether it's pecan hickory, and more, than <laughs> charcoal, <laughs> more than one, one, <laughs> a lot of smoke out there.
3: Uh, and. Um, I'd have my laptop and I'd just be able to put on, you know, the some games or whatever else just to keep people entertained because, you know, all you, I mean, when you're eating, a lot of people just slip into a food coma. And we had couches in our big tent and a big big screen TV, and we put on the basketball games or whatever else people wanted to watch. And so, I'm, um, I guess, one of the uh, more avid food tasters, and then anything technology related kind of falls on my back, and I'm, I'm happy to shoulder it. Is
1: that uh, what you do for your uh, day job? Is
3: Yes, yeah, I work for a company called Bellweather Technology downtown in the CBD.
1: And and what do you what do you do there? What is uh,
3: that? Primarily, it's it's like IT consulting. I run the small office and home office portion of it. So we have our bread and butter customers with like the larger uh, enterprise businesses, and then there was a constant need for the higher ups in those businesses to have home support done so eventually we kind of split off this little side wing where I would go to people's houses and set up whatever they needed to be set up like a lot of the times they needed remote access back to their main business and you know all, all sorts of stuff and it's just branched out from uh from there
1: cool so you you will do homes like personal yes. projects you'll mm-hmm. take care of that too yeah yep, excellent
0: can you fix our calendar please Yes, a Google <laughs> calendar set. Oh, my God. Let's not Oh, well, why into did that. I bring that up? But <laughs> we're
1: going to hit you up after the show yeah, for too. technical support. I don't, I don't hey, he, took,
2: he took over the house the other day and uh, did a fine job. When you have three yeah. kids <laughs> doing the Internet all at once, uh, we needed something, <laughs> some big firepower.
1: And, uh, Chris, I know uh, you have other business uh, interests and and things that you brought to meat company what what is what is some of your other background so when, when
2: i was at when i well when i was at tulane i actually uh was part owner of a transportation brokerage which is a trucking company that brokers trucks so i did that for seven years what
1: do you mean what do they bro- so they, to w- who
2: to anybody that needs freight moved so ah. we would we would uh. utilize what's called um basically a, a deadhead so people that are moving freight from point a to point b need to have a way to go from point b to back to point a to pick up their their money or their money job or their money load mm-hmm. so we would wait for trucks there was a there was a system you could subscribe to that would show you where the trucks are in the country we had customers that needed to move sugar cotton grain canned goods you named it and we put those two together and we would ship the loads for them we would do between 120 and 150 loads a week between me and my partner.
0: So were you loading it up yourself physically? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I
2: was doing it by a phone. Ah. Sitting sitting there basically operating the company, booking the loads, talking to the drivers. So you making the,
0: serious money in
2: college already you with You knew us? how to delegate. Well, we, yeah. were, we, were, we were doing okay. I mean, we... We, Did your uh, parents
0: know? Were they making you pay any of your own tuition then? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, really? Oh, yeah.
2: I you pay- paid a hundred percent of your tuition? I paid, I paid the last three years of my bill at Tulane.
0: Wow.
1: That's impressive. That is super <laughs>
2: impressive. Yeah, well, you know. I have a long, long stint at Tulane. You got to take those last three. I didn't tell you how long it took me. <laughs> 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 yeah, your last three years was year seven, right, eight, exactly, nine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They call me a doctor.
0: Well, I don't. I mean, actually, you know what? I mean, it, it should be with uh, all those other ventures. You making your own. You making your own uh, restaurant at your house, and you got your own side businesses. That's amazing.
3: Um,
1: well, Tav, did you yeah. grow up in New Orleans?
3: Yeah, I've, I've got a. A checkered past, so to speak. I, my, my family's Ooh, from we here. we love that. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's started off, my dad worked for what was mobile oil, and he was an international lawyer. So I was, the short version is I was born in New York. I lived here for, moved down to New Orleans for three years. Then I was in London for three years. Um, then Holland for three years. And then back to New Orleans for four years. And then to Paris. And then to um, boarding school in Virginia. And then college up in uh, Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut. Uh-huh. So... I moved a lot.
1: Did you, um, like Army Brats, did you have a hard time making friends? Because that's a lot of moving. I mean, or or making connections with people. You know,
3: after the second or third move, that kind of came naturally, frankly. I mean, you know, it was just another move. And I would just settle in and and start to, to, you know, make friends. And it just kind of came naturally, I guess. But, you know, when I, I met my wife soon after I graduated college. And she just happened to be from New Orleans as well. And so we decided to you know, both move down here, and that was it. I've, I've been here for the past 15 years. Oh, so no, you, no you're, intention you're not
1: nomadic No, like, no, like
3: that. No, I, I, I think that portion of my life is hopefully done for at least a, mm. a little while longer. I was just tired of moving.
1: So I want to hear some of the checkered, though, part. Is it you're, <laughs> just checkered because you moved a lot, or did they have to move because you were getting in trouble?
3: No, it was it was uh-huh. a little bit of both. I mean, <laughs> oh, geez. the Come checkered part. Come on, this part, is a
1: lifestyle show. This okay, is not the, a cooking show. Yeah,
3: I got you. The, uh, okay, the checkered part really isn't that all that checkered. I was It was Paris, and God, actually it was very similar to New Orleans. I mean, the drinking age in Paris is like, I think it's either back when I was there, it was 14 for beer and like 18 for liquor. And so, you know, I was 14. I was living in the 17th arrondissement, which is like eight or nine blocks away from uh, the Champs-Elysees. And as high schoolers, we would be doing what college kids did. And, you know, go out all hours of the night, have too much fun. And frankly, by the time my junior year rolled around, I um, I knew I wasn't going to get a good college. And I was like, all right, I got to pull the plug on this. And I basically redid my junior year and went to boarding school in Virginia. And then... And springboarded over there into, uh, into Trinity up in Hartford, Connecticut. A lot, lot to be
2: said for boarding school. Huh? Yeah. A lot to be said for boarding school. Now, huh. you yeah. went
1: to boarding school? Yeah. Tell us about uh, your boarding school experience. So
2: kindergarten through eighth grade, Newman School, and then ninth through senior year, Culver Military Academy in Culver, Indiana.
1: Oh. Why um, Indiana and well, why military?
2: There were, actually, there were a couple of kids from my class and a couple of New Orleans people that were already there. They were familiar with it. I had gone to summer school there to learn how to fly when I was 14.
1: Fly. Fly, huh? Airplanes. Fly airplanes. Fly airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> they had a
2: flight program. So Culver has Culver has okay. a uh, Culver has a really. Were your parents cool trying leader. to kill you? No, <laughs> 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 not at that point in time. Not at that point in time. So
0: um, like, here, kid, get, get right. in an airplane. Right. Why don't you fly this? Here are the wow. keys. Here are the keys. Yeah, up right. is that way. Yeah.
2: So um, you know, I went to military school, and it was a real. It was a fantastic. Um, sounds like New Orleans. Anyway, it was a fantastic experience. There was no other experience like going to that school. It was, um, to me, it was a step up from Newman, which is already a great school academically. I was surrounded by people that were expatriates from uh, Saudi Aramco. I had a uh, Spanish roommate for three years who taught me every bad word I could. know. I had three years of Spanish in high school and three years of Spanish in college. And when I got to Mexico with him, I knew how to say, I'd like to go to the bathroom and can I play a guitar?
0: <laughs> but Culver's bail, huh? No,
2: and no, I didn't get, didn't get that far. I'd still be there. But Culver was a was a unique place um, that if anybody knows about it and has heard about it, it's a pretty cool place to go to school. It
1: wasn't difficult to be in a military uh, academy. I mean, this the strictness and the
2: the strictness that that freshman year will uh, will get a hold of you, but.
1: Did they paddle you?
2: No, no paddles, no paddles. There's plenty of stuff, but you know, it's 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 a combination of strictness and a combination of academia that really makes you grow up real quick. Now granted, my dad had died in nineteen eighty one when I was eleven. So I was in a house with my mother and and my two sisters. No, nobody, nobody in the male race wants to grow up in a house with three hormonal women. <laughs> ever. So this was a school that I picked and went to. So, so there wasn't ah. a drop
0: of estrogen there in Culver Military Academy? No, they, huh? had, a
2: girls, they had a girls' academy. Don't oh, no get did, me wrong. They okay. had a girls' academy. We took classes together, kind of separate schools, huh. dressed with the kilts similar to Sacred Heart of McGee's, and, you know, very, very close contact with them, but okay. very separate as far as the military aspect goes. They weren't military. We were. Huh. So it was welcomed <laughs> to get out of the house <laughs> yeah. and have that kind of structure.
1: All yeah. right and what was your what was Virginia like um,
3: that it was actually reprieve from the insanity that was going on in Paris so I kind of slid I, I, you know like I said I pulled myself out of, out of Paris and all the little uh, things that I was doing over there Bad and so I, I embraced boarding school you know I was only for two years too I mean the four year guys went nuts as I'm sure Ruth's gonna attest to but for just two years it was a good frankly a good break and I really didn't I was Extremely well-behaved, as shocking as that might sound. So I didn't, do, yeah, I didn't get in any trouble those two years, and, and um, that was it. it was fun. All
1: right. Well, um, we've come to the part of the show where we go, um, it's called Off the Menu, and you get asked a question you would not be asked in any reputable um, business interview or, you know, application. And um, my question for you, Chris, uh, comes from Julian weiner who is eight years old
2: i know that child yes i think
1: i met him tonight (laughs) well he would like to know because you're a hunter he would like to know if you could only hunt and eat one of these things for the rest of your life which would it be Mm. well or well i guess you don't hunt fish but he wanted to know if you would eat fish for the rest of your life or uh meat
2: you know, I, I like fish a lot, but I got to tell you, there's something about a well-cooked, rare backstrap of venison that prepared correctly, you can't beat it. It's, it's served at, at few restaurants, served as a special here at a few restaurants as well, but when it's cooked correctly, it's better than any tenderloin of pork, tenderloin of filet. It's just, it's very lean, served at rare. You can make a sauce, cranberries, juniper berries, whatever you can serve with it, like a dark currant. It's just, it m- makes your mouth water. Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. All right. Super, so
0: super rare in New Orleans for the most part, though. If any any of our listeners are uh, developing new restaurant ideas about we'll listening to the show, I know some budding restaurateurs. That's uh, that's a good idea to jump on that bandwagon. You could you could have the corner of the market on uh, in New Orleans. Oh yeah, you know, sous
2: vide, sous vide, yeah. sear it, and yeah, then yeah, serve yeah. it.
1: Where yeah. where where here would you get venison? I mean, do y'all can you think besides uh, cooking it in the, your home? And meat company?
2: I think that <laughs> I <can> think <laughs> there are a couple of places that do that do have it. I think uh, that uh, some of the uptown restaurants like uh, Gotros. Uh, uh, I think that Patois uh, uh, has served it before. I think that Clancy's uh, has served it as okay. special before, and then. Um, uh, I think you yeah, have, it's more to have of a, a special really, though. Very, it's not really special. a regular part. There was of a restaurant me, that yeah. really did a good job in the quarter way back when it's called Enfleur. Uh. And Enfleur was part of the Provincial Hotel and they served one of the best backstraps of venison that I'd ever had. Huh. Uh. And He wouldn't give me the he wouldn't give me the secret either.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, one question back about um, Holton Meat Company. Can since you have recipes on there uh, it, that that are well written very accessible, by the way. Um, can regular people buy meat from it, or is it mostly wholesale?
2: It's mostly wholesale. Okay. So when uh-huh. you when you when you look on those recipes, typically it's stuff that you can buy at, at the grocery store. So whole to meat company is going to be pro- providing people with full or half truckloads of meat. If okay. somebody wants a half truckload of meat <laughs> delivered to their house, <laughs> okay. I will be happy to deliver. It.
0: Okay. Uh, wow. All right. Okay, yeah, you know, I, I got distracted by all this barbecue talk. So I'm just going to I'm going to go with something different. I'm just going to ask you a, a question about barbecue. So today we had the devastating news that uh came out that uh Nola's Smokehouse is going yep. under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Bob. is that is honestly, all, flags are to fly at half mass tomorrow. People will wear black armbands. It's uh it's a it's a horrible horrible moment in the light of the culture of our city. But I mean, I hope he does something. I hope, I hope he comes back in another Another form but anyway so now that, that place is gone what's your what's your second favorite because uh, that's got to be your favorite what's what's your second favorite uh barbecue in in uh, new orleans
3: man my second favorite barbecue um honestly it's it's stuff that that we cook i mean i hate to say uh, it I, well I, let me take that back all right, you McClellan. gotta go out
0: to, you gotta go out to dinner a barbecue place where yeah. are you gonna
3: go uh, I mean, McClure's, I live right close to there, there you go. and he's always put together some good stuff, and actually, right. this is, you know, right, right, right. we're in his headquarters here, yeah, yeah. so it's uh, probably going to go downstairs and eat some right now, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's, you know, it's right on the on the parade route for a lot of parades, it's got some really good barbecue across from All one right. of my other favorite bars, and uh, he he's he yes. I was at Le
0: Bonton last night, yeah, I love that place.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great bar, um,
0: yeah. but yeah, he, he smokes he smokes some good meat. Lee Harvey Oswald's favorite bar, by the way, too. Henry's disputes that. <laughs> Henry's they, they say that uh, that they were his favorite bar, but you know I'm not sure. On the topic of things shutting down, last week we talked to uh, to Joe of sandwich shutting down, and then also Rare Cuts went under. Yep. Now uh, you probably have a special perspective on that. Do you have any particular? Uh, did you have any dealings with Rare Cuts? Did you supply
2: for them? No, actually, what I did I did supply their supplier
0: okay, okay so i
2: didn't deliver directly to them because they were
0: wonderful you know i don't know as a business model but just as delivering a product i thought rare cuts was wonderful and it was so sad to see him go under you have any opinions on why something like that uh, you know didn't last? I, I had
2: i had way back when before rare cuts started i was sitting at charlie's steakhouse love it discussing this this exact business model yeah and my business model was was almost to a t rare cuts And they set it up, and I think uh, what I thought, they knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Now, I think the business model needed, or what it needed to me, was more delivery. If I were to call at six o'clock on a Wednesday and say I would like two roosters T-bones, that butcher knows exactly how to cut it. And I had thought you'd have a fleet of guys like Jimmy Johns. Right delivering these steaks to people all over uptown uh, right it, it's great great but you know the business model in that type of restaurant and that type of, of butcher shop is hard because of your inventory uh, so I, you know i don't know what happened um i hope they come back in a different form i mean we have cleaver and co right They've kind of transformed now they source all their meat within 200 miles of the city huh. um neat and you know you have chris's meats that's now that's not mine but Chris's huh. meat that opened up last week out off of uh, West End.
1: I oh, saw that yeah. going in, but yep. I didn't know it opened up. Yeah, huh.
2: just opened up. It took him a while. It opened up, and um, he's got the same type of thing, kind of like a Glen Mistich type of deal, the gourmet butcher block. He's got the stuffed birds and things like that, uh, and I'm anxious to try that as well. Oh, cool. But, you know, yeah. Chef, Rob, Chef Rob definitely had the best burn-ins in the city, hands, <laughs> hands down.
0: Oh, he was amazing. That guy's a nut, too. He's so committed. He used to sleep in that. You know, he slept there five days a yep. week. He would get 45 minutes of sleep, his alarm would go off, and he'd, he'd feed the cooker. And then he'd go back to sleep again for 45 minutes. Well, who
1: can maintain yeah. like that? Yeah. I so mean, Maybe has, that's
0: the real reason. Maybe he was making a bundle because I know he used to sell out. So you know, he would sell out for the day at like 1 o'clock.
1: But who People could keep up. up that type of yeah. – um, so
0: maybe,
2: maybe The key is, is to sell it. out. I mean, if you take the model from LA23 Barbecue, which uh-huh. is my favorite barbecue place in the city. Uh-huh. Sorry, McClure's. Huh. But the two guys that started off, started off LA 23 Barbecue, which is directly across the street from Bell Chase Air Station, Yeah. Aaron Gelfand and Bobby Monstead, huh. and they have the best brisket in the city, hands down. Wow. And Wait, it's basi- down in Bell Chase, though? Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Come on, it's That's 15 not really minutes. A
2: city. It's 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the, fact mm-hmm. is, the fact is that their model is to sell out every day. If you got there too late, there's a big sign that yeah. says, out of food. Right. And so that, now they're starting to do beef ribs. Huh. And it, it's great. They'll, they'll do some catering, but their, their model is sell out every day. Because I used to right. supply them.
0: That's what Rob so. was doing. Mm-hmm. Rob was selling out every day. I mean, there would be lines out there. It was like a Bruce Springsteen concert, as people like camping out. These are, these, are, these, are two,
2: these are two guys, these are two uptown guys yeah, that
0: wow. basically chased
2: their dreams. They're, they're charter captains when the weather's nice, and okay. they're barbecue guys. And they chased their dream, and they did it, and they're That's successful. living a
1: passionate life. They did. I mean, they that's,
0: brought a place next Speaking of barbecue one. again, now you had a uh, show on, uh, was it an episode of a show, or was it a whole show?
2: It was a, a one-hour episode on a show hosted by a guy by the name of G. Garvin. Okay. And it was called the Underground Barbecue Challenge.
0: All right. So
2: what happened was, and I'm not sure really it's how they found It was on the Travel Channel, us. right? It was on the Travel Channel. So they found my buddy, Chris Bucket, and then Chris had to get a plus one which was me asked me to be his plus one they interviewed us did this big deal on t on on camera and then we basically were asked out of i guess about 13 teams to be on a show to represent our new orleans borough all right so we represented uptown and we didn't know who we were battling against oh Now it was wait so it was
0: neighborhood by neighborhood and up to neighborhood against neighborhood. Really? How did I miss so, this? Wow! So
2: we so who'd you go against? So uh, we basically started filming and then they said you got to show up at Jackson Square, eight thirty a.m. and it was one of those things where he showed up and there are two guys standing across from you, a guy by the name of Jay Pogey from the uh, Upper Ninth Ward, oh. and his number one against myself. And Puckett, and yeah. then he gives you your protein. He says, you're going to be cooking, and pauses and pauses, Yeah, pork shoulder. All right. And let me yeah. tell you, that was a moment that Puckett and I look at each other, and we said, we got this. Uh-huh. We look at it, we high-five, we say, we got it. So th- so I- did you win? You got to watch it. Uh-huh. Oh, it hasn't aired yet. <laughs> it's aired. Oh, but it anyway, aired. Oh, okay.
0: we won. You won, all right. You uh-huh. so got like 10K or something, yeah. right? Yes. Wow. Impressive. Um,
1: now... Did y'all, um, what was your reason behind doing that, besides your passion for barbecue? I mean, did you have the desire to go on? I mean, were you approached and you wanted to be famous, or was it the money, you wanted to donate the money? or
2: I think, I think at first it was just to do our passion and to show everybody how passionate we are about this type of cooking. And then we did decide that once we had the money that we would... Donate the majority of that to Hogs for the Cause, which we did. Nice. Which is great. Now, we did put some into the smoker. That's why she's 35 (laughs) feet now. (laughs) But Todd was on the show. We had all, basically. What would it cost to build that smoker? A lot. I'm sure. What do you mean you were
1: on the show? You you were part of the team?
2: Well, what we had to do is we had to throw a party for 85 people.
1: Oh. Ah. So
2: what happened was they gave us. The way the show happens is they follow you around as you're sourcing everything. They're following the kitchens oh. where you're cooking, coming up with recipes. So we ended up getting the meat. We had to pick a place to throw a party. So we picked the uh, Newman Pavilion oh. at Audubon Park. Cool. That's right over the pond. Yeah. We had we, – it was the coldest day of the year. <laughs> By far, it was sleeting. It never sleets in New Orleans. We're cooking outside. And you can see on the TV show, the fires go out everything. It's just a headache. And we, and we had to cook, basically, not just the pork shoulder, but we cooked, you know, five different things. Towards the end of this, they come out with a surprise ingredient. G. Garvin shows up with a roller with a skinned alligator for me. Skinned alligator? Whole alligator.
0: <laughs> Have you smoked an alligator before? Pork never and smo- alligator? Never smoked an alligator. Wow. Yep.
2: But what we did was we... You, you can't eat anything on the it was alligator. It skinned. It was. That was the easy part. So... You know, they gave us the whole alligator. I chopped the tail off. Now,
0: was it, like, gutted and everything, too? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's just the meat. Yeah, it's and just it, But the it's meat. on bones.
2: It is. But, you know, the tail, if you take the tail off, cut the tail off, there are four tenderloins. The bones look like a cross, and you take out the four tenderloins, and they end up like four pork tenderloins. Ah. I sliced them thin. We soaked them in buttermilk. We, pan- we pounded them. Panko crusted them and fried them.
0: All right, when they bring out the alligator, do you... um. You have time then to go consult people about recipes and so forth, or just like right there on the fly, you did all that.
2: Right there on the fly.
0: Wow. We okay. had
2: we had um, saw horses with sheets of plywood that we were working on. So we also made a crawfish cornbread stuffed um, pork shoulder. Well, it's actually the picnic end. Mm. We made grits and griots nice. out of the out of some of the the bits, and then we made a smoke cold smoked barbecued shrimp nice as well as and the greens and as well as the green greens, the greens went over which g, g garvin looked at me and he said okay he tasted it he looks he looks up and he goes where's the old black woman at <laughs> <laughs> and of course my partner looked at me i have a cooking hat and he goes under that hat uh, and we had we had did they cooked. leave that on the air does that make the air oh yeah oh, okay. oh yeah oh yeah everything's on the air. <laughs> but it's it was a great show it was a great experience when the host came in, uh, Puckett had contacted Tulane University. So we had the Tulane University band walk the hosts oh, in. Nice. So we had Bevelo lights up and some shutters, and we made the whole facade look pretty good. And Tov helped out by scurrying around in the city to go get, you know, stuff during that day. So did you and, have
0: a budget then, too? Like you couldn't exceed a certain amount of money yeah. for it and all that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah. But they provide the money for the well, party, no, right? they
2: gave No, they gave us a budget, and we just basically had to scurry around and, and get everything either donated or helped oh wow yeah it was fun though it was an hour like i said it was an hour episode and then how long did it take you was total what was it, yeah. it, was, four it was four days four days so. and we couldn't tell anybody uh. so the people that were there couldn't tell anybody they signed a contract we had a million dollar liability rider uh. out there so we waited eight months until this thing aired and then we did a big screening
0: and with the smoker?
2: Not with the smoker.
1: Everybody got <laughs> Did you, you send up this big screen?
3: I believe so. We, <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: we had a we, we, went, we, went to,
2: we went to one of the uh, one, one of my friend who owns a uh, uh, film editing spot down in the down in the warehouse district. We went to his spot, which is like a movie theater, and we aired it there. And everybody, uh, we had champagne, and nice. it was we wanted champagne. Nobody knew that we won except for the
0: people that were there. Oh, so you had to keep a straight face when people were asking. We had to keep a too. straight didn't face. We have
1: a guess, uh, didn't we have a guest who uh, broke their silence about something and got kicked off a show? Uh, maybe I'm dreaming yeah,
0: that. Yeah, that sounds vaguely
2: They're familiar.
1: serious about that on oh, this. Oh, yeah, you can, get, uh, you can get,
0: yeah. Well,
2: that, the, I think that what they were doing was selling the advertising. And if they sell the advertising, then people who find out who won aren't right. going to watch it. Right. Aren't going to buy the so Coca-Cola or <laughs> whatever.
0: Yes, and you'd be liable. Exactly. They could sue you, huh? That's what we signed. Man. Well, I, I think we're running out of time, unfortunately, are we not? Yes. We are just about out. Well, Do you have a final question, Margo?
1: Well, um, how about, would would either of y'all like to plug anything or, uh, you know, support anything coming up, any
3: um, if any, I, I'd say Hogs for the Cause. I mean, my, my company, Bellweather, sponsors it. Um, Holbridge does. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people doing it. It's, it's a fantastic event. Um, I think, you know, if the weather's good. It's, it's great to bring your kids, kid-friendly. And, you know, you'll, you'll, we're one of the three biggest uh, tents out there. And it's just a fun event for a great cause and some fantastic food. So, highly recommend. If you haven't been, go ahead and check it out. Excellent. Right. Right. Well, we'll have links I'll, to that I'll on our webpage.
2: i agree to that. You know, we, uh, we as, as a team... The Boars Nest Barbecue are, are an official 501c3, and, and we raise money specifically to forward Hogs for the Cause. And let me tell you, as far as beneficial and being able to see the pass-through, being invited by Renee and Becker to go to Children's Hospital and give the money directly to these kids, there's no more humbling experience than seeing the fruits of your labor and your passion pay off. All Beautiful.
0: Right. Beautiful. Well, We'll close with that. Our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One was Chris Ruse of Holton Meats, and his plus one was Tav Fitzpatrick. You can find out more about our special guests and much more by following the links on our website. It's neworleans.com.
1: Thanks to Petite Pet Care and the Nola, Nola Brewing Tap Room also for the awesome beer this evening. Our sponsors...
0: And if we mentioned NOLA Brewing Taproom is open every day from 11 to 11. You can come here anytime and join us back here next week for another Midnight Menu Plus One.
1: Um, thanks again, guys. And uh, till till next week, I'm Margo Moss.
0: And I'm Ray Kanata. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thanks.